Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and if you can hear me, then you can also hear my cohort, Alan. And if you can hear me, then you can hear the rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed Chapter 15, Aragog and its corresponding film scenes. Hagrid should really call an exterminator. Movie Ron would rather follow the butterflies, but what he lacks in lines, he makes up for in facial expressions. Apparently, giant fuck-off spiders can get LASIK. Harry ain't got time for your interruptions. Friends of Hagrid's be damned. Twelve-year-old boy is on the menu tonight. The Weasleys Ford Anglia went feral, but still came to the rescue. And Hagrid may not be the heir of Slytherin, but that doesn't mean he's innocent. During episode 33, a literal fuck-ton of spiders, we sort of had two Potter ponderings. The first one was, who do you think gave Hagrid Aragog's egg? Quincy and Samantha both think that it was just a random guy in a pub. Quincy specifically thinks that it was some sketchy guy in Hogsmeade, maybe at the Hogshead. Diana has an interesting theory about it being Dumbledore. Hmm. She says that Dumbledore is a ridiculously caring person who loves to encourage students and their interests. She also thinks he has a huge soft spot for the loners and outliers, and as Hagrid was both unpopular and basically a half-giant Newt's commander, Dumbledore probably had a hand in Aragog. The headmaster just didn't always show the best judgment in his actions, though they were well-intentioned. Max says that he would love it to be Grindelwald, but with the way the timeline is working out, it could be Newt. Carly says that she love, love, loves the Newt theory. She can't imagine anyone else who would be more fitting or more worthy to give Hagrid a critter like that. Like maybe Dumbledore found the werewolf pups? Human babies? (laughs) Under his bed and was like, yo, I have someone you should meet, and introduced Hagrid and Newt. That's a very Dumbledore thing to do. That is a very Dumbledore thing to do. Also, the werewolf cubs slash human babies thing is a really good point. Yeah, we will end up talking more about that next episode. But several people do like the theory that Newt gave Hagrid Aragog's egg. Dave also thinks it could be possible, and William thinks that we're going to see it happen in the upcoming Fantastic Beast films. Jackson doubts that it was Newt because even he would know how dangerous Acromantula are. And wouldn't just give someone an egg. Even if he was fascinated by creatures, there are still some limits he would have. He reckons it was simply a dealer of dangerous creature eggs and such. Yeah, could be. Fun theories. I love that our keepers bring us different perspectives than our own. Thanks, everyone. Mm -hmm. Our second Potter pondering wasn't a question. We just wanted to see your best scared Ron faces. We took all of the pictures we received and turned them into one image to share on social media so you can check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to give us a like and follow, too. Yeah, like us, follow us. (laughs) Our trivia question from last week was, about how long is the giant snakeskin that Harry, Ron, and Lockhart come across in the tunnel to the Chamber of Secrets? The snakeskin is described to be at least 20 feet long. Which is interesting because I thought that Britain used the metric system, no? 
I did too, but I checked my British copy of the book and it also says 20 feet. Huh. But yeah, anyways, congratulations goes to Sam Jane. Yep, Sam sweeps in to end Max's three-week streak. Max might have still won if he'd realized what day it was. <laughs> I think all that staying up till 4 or 5 a.m. caught up with him. Probably. I mean, I've worked third shift before, and I've got to tell you, you cannot keep days straight. Not to mention, I'm just a vampire anyway, so I can't keep days straight, no matter what. Yep, Katie sucks. I do. <laughs> but I love her. Aw, shucks. Dave was also close behind, commenting a mere two minutes after Sam. But close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So <laughs> Sam's the winner fair and square. Sure is. Con- congratulations again, Sam. Let's just keep rolling into Chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets. Ron is bitter that with all of the times they were in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, had they known previously, they could have just asked her. Instead, with all of the new rules in place, they are finding it even harder to sneak off to the bathroom than it was to look for spiders. But the news from Professor McGonagall that they're still going to have to sit exams despite everything that had been going on was enough to drive Moaning Myrtle from their minds. Then, during breakfast three days before their first exam, Professor McGonagall announces that she has some good news. Several students yell that Dumbledore is coming back. A Ravenclaw girl guesses that they caught the air of Slytherin, and Wood thinks that the Quidditch matches are back on. When it is quiet, McGonagall tells them all that Professor Sprout informed her the mandrakes are ready for cutting and they can revive those who have been petrified. She thinks there is a very good chance that one of them will be able to say who attacked them. Everyone cheers and Ron looks happy, telling Harry that it won't matter that they never asked Myrtle then, but also adding that it might be kinder to leave Hermione petrified until after exams since she hasn't studied. Ginny Weasley joins them and sits next to Ron looking very nervous. Ron asks her what's up, and she starts rocking back and forth, hesitant to say anything. Harry leans forward and quietly asks her if she's seen something about the Chamber of Secrets. She takes a deep breath, but before she can answer, Percy walks up and asks for her seat if she's finished eating. This startles Ginny, and she scurries away. Ron scolds Percy, saying she was about to tell them something important about something she had seen, and Percy interrupts to say it wasn't about the Chamber of Secrets. Looking uncomfortable, he starts to explain that she had walked in on him doing something the other day, but trails off saying he'd asked her not to say anything and would rather keep it quiet. Ron presses him a little, but Percy just asks Harry to pass the rolls. Even though Harry knew the whole mystery will possibly be solved by the next day, he still doesn't want to pass up the opportunity to speak to Myrtle when they get one mid-morning, as Professor Lockhart escorts their class to History of Magic. Lockhart isn't phased by the fact that he was immediately proven wrong that the danger had passed. He is now convinced that there is no point of him having to see them safely to their next classes, and is still insisting that Hagrid is the guilty party. Harry surprises Ron by agreeing with Lockhart, but Ron catches on as Lockhart thanks Harry and complains about all the teachers have to do, without walking students to classes and standing guard all night. Ron also agrees and tells Lockhart that he should just leave them there, since they only have one more corridor to go. Lockhart accepts and hurries off, saying he should go prepare for his next class. Harry and Ron let the rest of the Gryffindors get ahead of them and begin to head towards Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Before they can get too far, they are caught by a very thin-lipped Professor McGonagall. 
Ron begins to stammer an excuse, saying they were going to see, and Harry finishes his sentence saying Hermione. He continues on, telling McGonagall that they haven't seen her in ages, so they were trying to sneak to the hospital wing to tell her the mandrakes were ready. Instead of getting mad, McGonagall's eyes glisten and she gives the boys permission to visit her, saying she will tell Professor Binns where they are. They now have no choice but to visit Hermione and head to the hospital wing. Madame Pomfrey reluctantly lets them in, saying there's no point in talking to a petrified person. As they take their seats next to Hermione, they have to admit she was right, since Hermione clearly couldn't tell they were there. Ron wonders if she did see the attacker or if he sneaked up on them, but Harry isn't really paying attention. He notices something clenched in her right hand and carefully twists and tugs until he manages to get it out. It is a page torn from a very old book, describing a fearsome beast called the Basilisk. It is also known as the King of Serpents, a snake that can reach a gigantic size and live for hundreds of years, born from a chicken's egg, hatched beneath a toad. It has deadly venomous fangs and a murderous stare that will kill anyone who looks it in its eye. Spiders flee before it, and the crowing of the rooster is fatal to it. Written on the page in Hermione's handwriting is also the word pipes. Harry realizes that the Chamber of Secrets monster is the basilisk. He could hear it talk because he understands parcel tongue. It kills people by looking at them, but no one died because no one looked directly at it. Colin saw it through his camera. Justin saw it through nearly headless Nick, who couldn't die again. Hermione and the Ravenclaw girl were found with a mirror. Ron's mouth drops open, and he asks about Mrs. Norris. Harry remembers the water from Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and figures she only saw the basilisk reflection in the puddle. He also points out that the crowing of the rooster is fatal to it and Hagrid's roosters were killed. Plus, the spiders flee before it, so it all fits. Ron wonders how it's been getting around the castle and Harry points out Hermione's handwritten word, saying it's been using the plumbing. They both realize that the entrance must be in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and head to the staff room to wait for Professor McGonagall, since classes will be ending soon. But instead of a bell ringing, they hear McGonagall's voice echoing through the corridors, telling the students to return to their dorms immediately and directing teachers to the staff room. Harry and Ron decide to hide in a wardrobe to find out what happened, and then let them know what they learned. They listen as McGonagall tells the other teachers that a student has been taken into the chamber itself, and the heir of Slytherin left another message on the wall, saying her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. Madame Hooch asks who was taken, and Ron slides to the wardrobe floor as he hears McGonagall say, Ginny Weasley. As McGonagall is saying they will have to send the students home, Lockhart enters the room, says sorry, he must have dozed off. The rest of the teachers are glaring at him, and Snape steps forward to tell him that a girl has been taken into the chamber and his moment has arrived at last. Professor Sprout joins in, reminding him that he was just saying he knows where the entrance is. Flitwick adds that he also said he knew what was inside. Snape says that he remembers him saying he was sorry he never had a crack at the monster before Hagrid was arrested. And Lockhart is starting to look desperate. McGonagall tells him that they will leave him to it and make sure everyone is out of his way so he can have a free reign at last. Lockhart trembles but says he will be in his office getting ready and then leaves. Professor McGonagall says that got him out of the way and directs the rest of the house heads to inform their students what has happened and that they will be sent home tomorrow morning. The rest of the teachers are to make sure no students are outside of the dormitories. They all leave and Harry and Ron head back to Gryffindor Tower, 
where they sit with Fred and George in silence. Percy had sent an owl to Mr. and Mrs. Weasley and then shut himself in his dorm. Near sunset, Fred and George go up to bed too, and Ron finally speaks up, saying she knew something and that's why she was taken, since she's a pureblood. They decide to go see Lockhart and tell him what they learned, since he's going to go after the monster. No one tries to stop them as they leave, and they head straight to Lockhart's office, only to find him hastily packing all of his belongings. They are shocked that he is running away after all the things he did in his books, and Lockhart says that books can be misleading, and confesses that he had been taking credit for things other people did, but that there was a lot of work involved. He had to track them down, get the exact story, then put a memory charm on them so they didn't remember doing it. He then tells Harry and Ron he will have to put a memory charm on them as well, but Harry disarms him before he can. Lockhart wants to know what they expect him to do when he doesn't know where the Chamber of Secrets is. Harry tells him that he's in luck because they do as well as what's inside. They direct him at one point to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and make him go in first. When Moaning Myrtle sees them, she wonders what they want and looks very flattered when Harry says to ask you how you died. Myrtle says that she was hiding in that very cubicle because Olive Hornby teased her about her glasses and she heard a boy's voice saying something in a different language. She opened the stall door to tell him to go use his own toilet and she died. Harry asked her how and she says she doesn't know. She just remembers seeing a pair of great big yellow eyes over by the sink in front of her toilet. Harry approaches the sink and she tells him that tap has never worked as he fidgets with it. Ron suggests he says something in parcel tongue, and after a couple of tries, Harry manages to hiss out, open up, and the sink begins to move, sinking right out of sight, leaving a large pipe exposed. Harry and Ron both decide to go down there and force Lockhart to go first when he tries to say they hardly seem to need him. One by one, they slide into the pipe, falling deep below the school and landing with a thud on a damp floor. Harry lights his wand with Lumos, and they head off through the tunnel where the floor is littered with small animal bones. Ron stops Harry when he notices something huge and curved lying across the tunnel. Harry thinks it may be asleep, but narrows his eyes and holds his wand high. The light reveals it to be a vivid, poisonous green snakeskin, at least 20 feet long. Gildroy Lockhart crumbles behind them, and Ron points his wand at him, telling him to get up. Lockhart gets to his feet and tackles Ron, getting his wand from him before Harry can do anything. He tells them that the adventure ends here. He says that he will take a bit of the skin back and tell them he was too late to save the girl and that the boys tragically lost their minds at the sight of her mangled body. He tries to cast Obliviate on them, but Ron's wand backfires with the force of a small bomb, causing the tunnel to collapse some around them. Harry is separated from Ron and Lockhart by a pile of rocks and shouts out to Ron to see if he is okay. Ron says that he is, but Lockhart got blasted by the wand. He wonders what they should do next since he can't get through, and Harry directs him to wait there while he goes on to find Ginny. Ron says he will try to shift some of the rocks, and Harry tries to confidently say see you in a bit, for he heads off alone through the winding tunnel. It ends at a solid wall showing a carving of two entwined serpents with emeralds set as their eyes. Harry again says open in parcel tongue. The serpents part as the wall slides apart and out of sight, and he walks through the opening. The movie scene opens up on a shot of the castle during sunset, then transitions to Harry replacing dead flowers with a fresh bouquet on Hermione's hospital bedside table. 
Ron is sitting on her other side, and Harry sits next to her on the edge of her bed, saying he wishes she was there. They really need her. He discovers something in her hand and pulls out a crumpled piece of paper. He realizes it's a torn page from a book, and it must be why she was in the library that day she was attacked. He tells Ron to follow him, and the two leave the hospital wing. As they walk through the corridors, Harry reads, Of the many fearsome beasts that roam our land, none is more deadly than the basilisk. Capable of living for hundreds of years, instant death awaits any who meet this giant serpent's eye. Spiders flee before it. Harry realizes that Slytherin's monster must be a basilisk, and that's why he can hear it speak. It's a snake. Ron wants to know why no one is dead if it kills by looking people in the eye, and the camera focuses on their reflections in the window pane, and Harry realizes that no one has looked directly in its eye. Colin saw it through his camera. Justin must have seen it through nearly Headless Nick, who couldn't die again. Hermione was found with the mirror, and Mrs. Norris saw it in the reflection in the water on the floor that night. They pause by a torch to look at the book page again. Harry thinks it all fits, and Ron wants to know how a dirty great snake gets around. Sure, someone would have seen it. Harry points to the handwritten word, Pipes, on the bottom of the page, saying Hermione answered that too. Harry brings up that Aragog said the girl 50 years ago died in a bathroom. What if she never left? Ron realizes he means moaning Myrtle, but before the two can discuss it any further, McGonagall's magnified voice announces that all students must return to their dormitories and all teachers must report to the second floor corridor immediately. The scene shifts to Professor McGonagall, Professor Snape, Madame Pomfrey, Professor Flitwick, Madame Pince, and Filch hurrying down the corridor. McGonagall is saying that the heir of Slytherin has left another message. The camera pans to around the corner where Harry and Ron approach to listen in as McGonagall says a student has been taken by the monster into the chamber itself. She says the students will have to be sent home, fearing it is the end of Hogwarts. At this point, Professor Lockhart struts up, wondering what he missed. Snape tells him that a girl has been snatched by the monster and Lockhart's moment has come at last. Lockhart swallows and McGonagall says that it's settled and they will leave him and his legendary skills to deal with the monster. Lockhart stutters his way through telling them that he will be in his office getting ready and turns to walk away. Madame Pomfrey asks Minerva who the monster took and to Harry and Ron's horror, she responds, Ginny Weasley, before walking away. Snape glances at the wall with a troubled look and follows McGonagall down the corridor as the camera focuses on the message. Her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever, as Ron reads it out loud in a trembling voice and says his sister's name. The scene cuts to the boys hurrying through Lockhart's classroom as Harry says that Lockhart may be useless, but he's going to try to get into the chamber and they can at least tell him what they know. They enter Lockhart's office and find him hurrying to pack all of his belongings. Harry wants to know if he's going somewhere and Lockhart nervously claims to have had an urgent call and has to go. Ron asks, what about my sister? And Lockhart calls it most unfortunate. Ron reminds him that he is the defense against the dark arts teacher and tells him he can't go now. Lockhart frantically continues to pack and starts saying that when he took the job, there was nothing in the job description about this. But Harry cuts him off asking if he is running away after all the stuff he did in his books. Lockhart says the books can be misleading. And when Harry challenges him saying, you wrote them, Lockhart confesses that his books wouldn't have sold half as well if people didn't think he had done all those things. Harry realizes he is a fraud, taking credit for what other wizards have done, and Ron wants to know if there is anything he can do. 
Lockhart defends himself, saying that he is rather gifted with memory charms, otherwise all those wizards would have gone blabbing, and he never would have sold another book. He begins to casually walk towards one of his suitcases, saying he's going to have to do the same to them, but before he can pull his wand on them, Harry and Ron have their wands on him. Harry tells him not to even think about it, and Lockhart drops his wand. Transitioning to Moaning Myrtle moping in the bathroom, Lockhart enters the bathroom with Harry and Ron behind him, still holding their wands on him. Moaning Myrtle hears them, wonders who is there, and then sees Harry and giggles a little, saying hello to him and asking what he wants. Harry says he wants to ask her how she died, and Myrtle is pleased and says it was dreadful. It happened right in the very cubicle she is floating over. She was hidden there, crying, because Olive Hornby was teasing her about her glasses. And then she heard somebody come in. Harry asked who it was, and she says she doesn't know. She was distraught. She remembered they said something funny in a kind of made-up language, and she realized it was a boy's voice. So she unlocked the door to tell him to go away, and she died. Harry asks how, and Myrtle says that she remembers seeing a pair of great yellow eyes over by that sink. She points to a sink and turns away, wailing a bit. Harry approaches the sink and turns the tap, which doesn't work. He notices a little snake on the side of the faucet and tells Ron he thinks this is the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets. Ron tells him to say something in Parseltongue, and Harry closes his eyes and then hisses out a few words. The sinks begin to move apart, the one with the snake sinking down into the floor revealing a large, dark opening leading down beneath the castle. Lockhart tells him good work and tries to bolt, but Harry and Ron stop him and force him back, telling him to go first. He wants to know what good it will do, and Ron says, better you than us. Lockhart can't argue with that and turns around to look down the hole. He turns back to make sure they don't want to go first, and they push him into the opening. He falls with a yell, lands with a thud, and says it really is quite filthy down there. Harry says, all right, let's go, and Myrtle tells him that if he dies down there, he's welcome to share her toilet. Harry gives an awkward thanks and jumps down, followed by Ron. The camera shows them screaming and sliding down a huge pipe, before landing at the bottom on a pile of small animal bones. Harry reminds them to close their eyes straight away if there is any sign of movement, and heads down one of the tunnels. Ron tells Lockhart to go on, and they follow after Harry. They find an enormous snakeskin, and Ron says whatever shed it must be 60 feet long. Lockhart collapses to the ground, and as Ron is saying, heart of a lion, this one, he opens his eyes and grabs Ron's wand right out of his hand. Lockhart says the adventure ends here, and the world will know their story, how he was too late to save the girl, and they tragically lost their minds at the sight of the mangled body. He attempts to obliviate Harry first, but Ron's wand backfires and blasts Lockhart back into the wall, causing a huge rumbling and the ceiling to collapse and create a wall of rock rubble between Harry and Ron. Harry dives out of the way of falling rocks, and Ron backs up, looking shocked. When the rocks stop falling, he calls out to Harry, who climbs up on the rocks and calls back, asking if Ron is okay. Ron says he's fine, and Lockhart looks up at him from the ground, unsure of who he is. Ron tells Harry that Lockhart's memory charm backfired, and Lockhart picks up a rock, wondering if Ron lives in this odd place. Ron says no, takes the rock from him, and hits him over the head to knock him out. He asks Harry what he should do now, and Harry instructs him to wait there and try to shift some of the rocks while he goes to get Ginny. Ron says okay, and Harry pulls out his wand, following the tunnel to a round door with seven snakes extending from the left side. 
Harry approaches the door and speaks Parseltongue again, causing an eighth snake to slither out and around the door and the other seven to shift and unlock it. The door opens like a vault door and Harry cautiously steps through, holding out his wand. Shockingly enough, the movie streamlines things from the book for this section. What? No. Yeah. Crazy talk. The book chapter starts out with a bitter Ron who can't believe all of the times they could have just asked Myrtle about how she died if they'd known. They want to go ask her now, but because of all of the new rules in place, they're finding it even harder to get away to see Myrtle than it was to look for the spiders. Which, the movie didn't even previously show how difficult it was for them to look for spiders either. They just streamlined that right out as well. Well, they do that. It also cut out the news that they were still going to have to sit for exams. Everyone's pretty upset by this with everything that had been going on. Yeah, but McGonagall shuts that shit down, reminding them that the whole point in keeping the school open was to keep it running as normally as possible, and that includes taking their final exams. This information was also enough to distract them from the fact that they haven't been able to talk to Myrtle, and then even more so at breakfast when McGonagall announces some other news, this time good news. Which, of course, leads to people guessing that Dumbledore is coming back or that they caught the air of Slytherin. My personal favorite is Wood's guess. The Quidditch matches are back on. Because, of course, that is literally the only news that he would view as good news. Right? <laughs> but nope. Sorry, Oliver Wood. Oliver Wood. No Quidditch for you. That's what I said. <laughs> McGonagall shares that Madame Sprout informed her that the Mandrakes were ready for cutting and they would be able to cure those who have been petrified. And she thinks there's a very good chance that one of them will be able to say who the attacker was. Everyone cheers because this is, in fact, good news. I actually still imagine that Wood just sits there all dejectedly since Quidditch isn't back on. <laughs> yeah, he might not have cheered. Nah. But then Ginny approaches Ron and Harry and tries to tell them a secret before Percy interrupts asking for her seat if she's done eating and she skitters away. Ron is annoyed with Percy and tells him that she was about to tell them something important that she had seen. And Percy begins to look very uncomfortable as he insists that it wasn't about the Chamber of Secrets. This is actually another piece of the Percy the letter writing shut-in puzzle. Percy has definitely been up to something. I wonder what it was. Ron tries to ask, but Percy just completely ignores him and asks for the rolls. And despite the fact that there's a very good chance they will have all of the answers soon, Harry doesn't want to give up the chance to meddle if it arises. And since they are Ron and Harry, of course a chance to meddle arises. I mean, of course. Mm-hmm. These would be extremely short stories if Harry and Ron weren't meddling in things. <laughs> Seriously. Harry went to Hogwarts. The end. <laughs> Basically. I also really wish this part could have been included because it's just another one of those delightful appendixy moments of Lockhart's, where he's complaining that he has to walk the students to class looking tired, with limp hair, and rumpled clothes. It really would have been a lot of fun to see Lockhart looking a mess. Yeah. Plus, Harry and Ron totally pull one over on him to get him out of the way, and I love those little brilliant conniving touches. Mm -hmm. As Lockhart is complaining that the teachers have enough to do without walking kids to class and staying up half the night patrolling, Harry tells him that he agrees. Ron takes a second, but then realizes they are manipulating him and joins in, encouraging him to leave them there since they only have one more corridor to go. Which Lockhart, of course, jumps at the chance and hurries off saying he should go prepare for his next class. 
I love Ron's sneer after Lockhart's left, too. Gone to curl his hair, more like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Dad attracts. Facts. It's not like he plans lessons. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> Lockhart doesn't know. Nope. But once they're rid of him, they let the rest of the Gryffindors in front of them and try to sneak off to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, so very proud of their cleverness, until they're promptly caught by Professor McGonagall. Yup, so clever. And she obviously wants to know what they're doing. As Ron stammers his way through the fact that he has absolutely no idea what to say, Harry jumps in and says they were sneaking off to see Hermione because it's been ages and they wanted to tell her the Mandrakes were ready. Then McGonagall surprises them by tearing up and giving them permission to skip class and go see her. Aww, McGonagall's a secret softie. Yep. (laughs) And once again, Harry and Ron are very proud of their cleverness except for the fact that they now have no choice but to go and see Hermione and still don't get their chance to talk to Moaning Myrtle. But this brings us to where the movie section starts out. They are in the hospital wing and Harry is replacing the dead flowers with fresh ones as Hermione is mm, voguing pretty intensely. Strike a pose. (laughs) Vogue. This also cuts out a little exchange with Madame Pomfrey, who lets them in, but also tells them there's no point in talking to a petrified person. Madame Pomfrey don't give a shit. Like, she tells it like it is. <laughs> she sure does. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's only a few minor differences in this part. There were no flowers involved in the book. Ron was just wondering if Hermione did see her attacker, and Harry isn't fully paying attention since he's become distracted by a piece of paper scrunched in her right hand. In the movie, Ron is sitting on one side of Hermione and Harry sits down on the other, saying that he wishes she was there because they really need her right now. This is when he notices the paper, probably because he was trying to hold her hand again, which is still weird, dude. (laughs) But I want to know how no one noticed the paper in Hermione's hand before. I don't know. My best guess is that they already knew she was petrified and were distracted by the mirror they found next to her, so maybe they didn't give her a proper once-over. Could be, I guess. That and the paper has plot armor. Ooh, definitely. I also want to know if petrified people can feel things. Like, is Hermione cold right now? Ooh, that's a really good question. Yeah. Is being petrified anything like Petrificus Totalis? Because Harry was completely aware during that, just couldn't move. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, the basilisk petrification is worse than the spell, since that can just be easily reversed. But now I really wonder if any part of them is aware of what's going on around them. God, now I just imagine Hermione, like, screaming in her head, like, Look in my fucking hand! I sacrificed a book page for this, damn it! I think we found our Potter pondering. (laughs) Good idea. Yeah. I definitely want our Keeper's input on this one. Seriously. But anyways, Harry pulls the paper out from her hand and says it's a page torn from a library book, and now they know why Hermione was in the library the day she was petrified. Actually, Harry, those of us who read the book already know why Hermione was in the library. (laughs) Also in the book, Harry had a much harder time pulling the page from her hand. It took several tense minutes. Yeah, she barely even had a grip on it in the film. Harry then tells Ron to follow him, and they leave the hospital wing and are walking through the corridor as Harry reads the page to Ron. Of the many fearsome beasts that roam our land, none is more deadly than the basilisk. Capable of living for hundreds of years, instant death awaits any who meet this giant serpent's eye. Spiders flee before it, 
and he stops reading because he has realized that Slytherin's monster is a snake, and that's why he can hear it. The information on the page is basically the same, though Harry and Ron are still on the hospital wing discussing it, not in the corridor. We also read that the basilisk is born from a chicken's egg hatched beneath a toad, and that it only flees from the crowing of the rooster, which is fatal to it. But if you pause and look at the page on the screen, you can see that information there. Harry just doesn't read it out loud. And side note, while we're on this topic, because I gotta bring this up, I hate when books put pictures in the middle of the page and break up sentences. Like, I always end up reading the beginning of one sentence, but the end of a different one. And I'm sorry, but you know what? I should not have to break out a friggin' ruler to read a goddamn book. Just saying. Yeah, it's a really weird design choice. Also, actually catching the phrase, the crowing of the rooster can kill it, is the only explanation we get for why Hagrid might have been carrying around a dead rooster earlier. Yeah, the book just full-on explains all of that for us. And in the book, Harry goes on to explain why no one actually died, since the monster kills by looking at them. In the movie, they had Ron ask why no one died, and Harry was answering his question, that no one looked directly in its eye. Colin saw it through the camera, Justin saw it through Nearly Headless Nick, who got the full blast but couldn't die again, Mm -hmm. and Hermione and the Ravenclaw girl were found with a mirror. Since the movie left out the Ravenclaw girl being petrified, Harry obviously only mentions Hermione being found with the mirror, saying she must have been using it to look around corners. The book actually uses this as an opportunity to explain why there was a mirror, since it was very unlikely that Hermione would be carrying one. Harry figures that Hermione warned the first person she met to look around the corners with a mirror, and the Ravenclaw girl must have pulled out her mirror, and then they saw the basilisk reflection. In both, Ron asks about Mrs. Norris because she didn't have a camera or a mirror, and Harry remembers the water on the floor from Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and figures she saw the basilisk's reflection in the water. But I want to know, if Colin saw it through his camera, does that mean you could, like, essentially just use a piece of glass to walk around or, like, the bubblehead charm or something? Well, camera lenses have a front element, rear element, and multiple groups of lenses, Hmm. so... Maybe one piece of glass wouldn't work. I also think that some cameras have a mirror involved in the mechanism of the lens, so you aren't actually seeing the image through the lens, you're seeing a reflection of the image. And it might even be multiple reflections, so the image doesn't end up in reverse, but I can't remember. It's been a long-ass time since I took an analog photography class. But the glass, or the charm, probably wouldn't work. Or Harry's glasses would also protect him from the basilisk's gaze. Yeah, that makes sense. Also in both, Harry reads more off the page and tells Ron that it all fits, and Ron wants to know how the basilisk has been getting around, saying, A dirty great snake, someone would have seen it. And in both, Harry points out that Hermione answered that for them too, and shows her handwritten word, pipes. I still hate that Hermione tore a page out of the book and wrote on it. Like, why don't you dog ear a couple of pages while you're at it, Jesus. I feel like it had to hurt her soul when she did it. (laughs) I hope it did. But desperate times. Hmm. Harry and Ron realized that the snake had been using the plumbing to get around. In the book, they put the pieces together and think the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets must be in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. The movie is pretty similar, but since they hadn't previously made the connection between the girl Aragog said was found in the bathroom and Moaning Myrtle, this is where they connect those dots. 
They also don't specifically say the entrance must be in her bathroom because they are interrupted by Professor McGonagall's voice announcing that all students must return to their dormitories at once and all teachers must report to the second floor corridor. This is slightly different in the book. Harry and Ron decide to go down to the staff room to wait for McGonagall to tell her what they discovered. While they are waiting, she makes that announcement. But in the book, McGonagall tells the teachers to report to the staff room. So Ron and Harry decide to hide in the wardrobe to listen in before sharing what they found. Because of course they do. Of course they do. In the movie, they just decide to head to the second floor corridor themselves and just hang out around the corner to listen in on the teacher's conversation. But despite the location change, they were pretty similar between the book and the movie. Yeah, they play a little bit of musical dialogue with who says what and when. But in both, McGonagall says that a student has been taken by the monster into the chamber. In the book, Snape wants to know how she knows, and McGonagall says the air left a message on the wall. Her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. She doesn't have to say it in the movie, since they're meeting right in front of it. She just gestures to it as she gives the news. In the movie, she goes on to say that they will have to send the students home, and then Lockhart walks up like Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton, you know, what did I miss? <laughs> also, his salmon-colored suit makes him look even more like an appendix. Oh yeah, that was an awful, awful colored suit. Was that a stutter, or were you just emphasizing how awful it was? No, it was two different words. Awful, awful. That sounds the same to me. Awful, awful. Yeah, still the same. Then it was an awful entrail and internal organs of an animal-colored suit. Oh, awful. Yeah, that's awful. But let's just keep rolling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lockhart appendixes up to the teachers late in the book, too. But it's after Flitwick bursts into tears and Madame Hooch asks who the monster took. In the movie, it's Madame Pomfrey who asks, but not until after they rid themselves of Lockhart. Which happens pretty much the same way in the book and the movie, with Snape telling Lockhart that the monster has taken a girl and his moment has come at last. In the book, Professor Sprout joins in the conversation and reminds him that he was just saying he knew where the entrance to the chamber was all along. The movie just has Snape continue with that line and then McGonagall says, It's settled, and they will leave him to deal with the monster. His skills, after all, are legend. But I love the way that McGonagall and Snape form like a... I don't know what to call it, like a sass brigade mm -hmm. to get Lockhart out of the way, you know? Because <laughs> they knew his ass wasn't about to go and do anything helpful. In the book, the teachers totally tag team him on this one. Because after Sprout, Professor Flitwick joins in too, saying, Didn't you tell me you were sure you knew what was inside? Mm -hmm. The conversation even circles back to Snape saying that he remembers him saying he was sorry he didn't have a crack at the monster before Hagrid was arrested. <laughs> And reminds him that he said the whole affair had been bungled and he should have been given free reign from the start. <laughs> then McGonagall says she'll leave it to him and make sure everyone is out of his way so he can tackle the monster with a free reign at last. And Book Appendix is sweating way more than Movie Appendix. <laughs> right. But in both, he says he'll be in his office getting ready and walks off with the rest of the teachers relieved they got him out of their hair. In the movie, this is when Madame Pomfrey asks who the monster took and McGonagall says it was Ginny Weasley before walking down the hall. We get a good shot of the horror on Ron and Harry's face as well as the troubled look on Snape's face as he looks at the message on the wall before following McGonagall down the corridor. 
The scene focuses on the message before transitioning to the next part. In the book, we already learned that it was Jenny before Lockhart showed up. Ron slides down to the floor in the wardrobe where he listens to the rest of the conversation. After Lockhart leaves, McGonagall sends the head of houses to tell the students they will be leaving on the Hogwarts Express first thing tomorrow. They all leave, and the chapter cuts to Harry, Ron, Fred, and George, sitting together in silence in the common room. Percy had shut himself in his dorm after sending a letter to his parents, and by sunset, Fred and George retreated to their dorm as well. Ron mentions that Jenny must have known something, and that's why she was taken, because she was pure blood. He wonders if she's still alive, and they end up deciding to go see Lockhart so they can tell him what they know. Yeah, none of that happened in the movie. It just cuts straight from the message on the wall to Harry and Ron running through the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom to get to Lockhart's office. It cracks me up because Harry just flat out calls Lockhart useless, but says if he's going to try and go into the chamber, they can at least tell him what they know. So it lines back up with the book fairly well. Even though in the book, Harry doesn't call him useless. I wish he had. Mm-hmm. It's not a lie. It's not. He's such an appendix. Mm-hmm. But in both, they enter his office and find him hastily packing up all his shit. Harry wants to know if he's going somewhere, and Lockhart claims to have received an urgent call. Unavoidable. Got to go. Ron asks, what about my sister? And Lockhart says, well, it's unfortunate, and no one regrets more than I, before being cut off. In the movie, it's Ron telling him that he's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. In the book, it was Harry, but in both, Lockhart just continues to pack and sort of rambles about nothing in the job description. Harry can't believe he's running away after all the things he did in his books. And Lockhart says books can be misleading. Harry yells, you wrote them! And Lockhart confesses that he's just been taking credit for what other people have done. And Harry realizes that Lockhart is a fraud. I feel like Harry was, I don't know, a little too surprised to learn that Lockhart is a fraud. Like, I'm pretty sure he knew that already. I mean, seriously, Harry, dude vanished your fucking ulna and radius, and somehow you still had some weird notion that he wasn't a complete sham of a human? Right? The book describes him as incredulously saying, so you've just been taking credit for what a load of other people have done? Lockhart goes on to make it sound like it was so much more work than that because he had to track these people down and find out how they did what they did. Then he would put a memory charm on them so they wouldn't remember doing it. Poor appendix. That sounds really tough. Poor baby. Lockhart then goes on to brag about his ability with memory charms and reiterates that it's been a lot of work and not all book signings and publicity photos. Gag. Ugh. I actually like how the movie did this part, though, because it was a little bit different. After Harry is surprised to learn that he is a fraud, Ron asks Lockhart if there's anything he can do. Lockhart starts bragging about his gift with memory charms and casually strolls over to his suitcase to pull out his wand, all the while saying he's going to have to put one on them. But then he turns around and Harry and Ron both already have their wands trained on him. Lockhart, maybe have your wand in your hand before you tell anyone about your memory charm skills. Just saying. Seriously. Though Harry gets a totally fantastic sass moment in the book. When Lockhart pulls his wand on the boys, Harry uses Expelliarmus and sends Lockhart's wand flying through the air and Lockhart tumbling backwards over his trunk. 
Ron catches the wand, and Harry tells Lockhart that he shouldn't have let Professor Snape teach him that one. Oh yeah, sassy Harry strikes again. I love it. <laughs> In the movie, they just make him drop his wand, and then the scene switches to them making him lead the way into Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. It's basically the same in the book, but they also have a moment where Lockhart protests, saying there's nothing he can do because he doesn't know where the Chamber of Secrets is. Harry tells him that they do know and what's inside, then march him to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and makes him enter first. In both, Moaning Myrtle wants to know what they want, though the movie makes her a little flirty with Harry. Harry tells her that he wants to ask how she died, and she's flattered, and tells them it happened in that very cubicle. She was hiding there, crying, because Olive Hornby had been teasing her about her glasses, and she had heard someone come in. In the movie, Harry asks who it was, and she says, I don't know. I was distraught. I'm positive that they added that line in just because of how Shirley Henderson said it. Right? I was distraught. <laughs> it just makes me even more convinced that they hired her for this role because of her voice, despite her age. Mm-hmm. In both, she says she heard a boy's voice say something in a funny language. She opened the door to tell him to go away, and she died. Harry wants to know how she died, and she tells him that she doesn't know. She just remembers seeing a pair of great big yellow eyes. In the movie, she specifically says over by that sink, when in the book, Harry has to ask. In both, Harry goes to inspect the sink, which doesn't work, and notices a little snake on the side of the taps. A minor difference here is that the book describes it as scratched into the copper tap, but the movie had it more as a 3D relief etching of a little snake. Mm -hmm. And the taps weren't copper. Then, Ron tells Harry to say something in parcel tongue. It takes him a couple of tries, saying open up in English first, then really focusing on the tiny engraving, imagining it was real. The second time he said open up, it came out as a strange hissing, and the sink sank right out of sight, leaving a large pipe exposed. The movie is also similar, but it doesn't have Harry struggle to speak parcel tongue. He just does it, basically. Also, while the sink does sink out of sight, it's a bit more dramatic than that, as the entire structure of sinks moves. It ends up revealing less of a pipe and more of a giant asshole. <laughs> asshole. <laughs> 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 in both, Lockhart tries to take this opportunity to leave, but the boys force him to go first. He asks what good it will do, and they basically just shove him into the opening. The movie does also add in Ron's response when he asks what good it will do, and he says, better you than us. And it's another good extra Ron line that they threw in there. Yeah. yeah. In the book, they all go into the pipe one after another, and the movie has Harry and Ron wait until Lockhart lands to go in. Though, to be fair, from the top, it doesn't really look like it would necessarily be a safe landing in the movie. Lockhart does land safely, and then calls up with the information that it's really quite filthy down here. And in the movie, Myrtle actually continues flirting with Harry at that moment, and decides to tell him that if he dies down there, she's welcome to share his toilet. Because who doesn't want to spend eternity in a bathroom? With Moaning Myrtle. Right. <laughs> there actually is a line pretty much identical to this. Well, it's very similar, but it happens when they return. So we'll talk about that then. Okay. But right now, both depict the pipe as more of a twisty-turny slide once they're actually in it. 
and then they land on the damp floor of a stone tunnel. In the movie, the floor is covered in tons of small animal skeletons, so that bodes well. Awesome, yeah. (laughs) The book mentions that as well. As they're walking through the tunnels, it even says something about how Harry doesn't want to think of what state Jenny's going to be in if he finds her. Oh. Right? Hmm. A little dark. Sad. But in the book, Harry lights his wand and leads the way through the tunnel as Ron notices something up ahead. Something huge and curved, lying right across the tunnel. At first, they think it's something asleep, but as they edge closer, they see it's a vivid, poisonous green snakeskin that must have been at least 20 feet long. Which was our trivia question. Though the movie does this part a little bit differently. The enormous snakeskin is not green in color. In fact, it's more of, how would you describe it really? It's more of a condom colored snake skin, which it just puts a completely different spin on the whole horror within thing, right? Like Slytherin's monster and whatnot. No wonder Lockhart faints. I might be a little green in color right now. (laughs) Seriously. Also, Ron actually describes the snakeskin as being 60 feet long, so obviously the movie didn't think a 20-foot nope rope was scary enough. (laughs) Nope rope. (laughs) But as I already mentioned, in both, Lockhart faints, and I'm making air quotes as I say that because he's totally faking it. Though the book actually describes it more as his knees just giving way. In the movie, Ron has yet another great line where he says, Heart of a lion, this one. But in both, it's just a distraction tactic, so Lockhart can take Ron's wand. Which he manages to do so successfully before he appendixes things up. Yep. In both, he tells Harry and Ron that the adventure ends here, and shares his story he's made up to act the hero, saying that he was too late to save the girl, and the boys both tragically lost their minds at the sight of her mangled body. He attempts to cast Obliviate, But since he's using Ron's spellotaped wand, and we've had references throughout the entire story about just how poorly that has been working, (laughs) there is no reason for us to expect it to work now. Yes, excellent foreshadowing here. Mm -hmm. Because sure enough, Ron's wand fails miserably, causing an explosion that makes part of the stone ceiling collapse and separate Harry and Ron. The movie made this a little more dramatic as well. Shocker, I know. Right, right. Having Lockhart thrown backwards and Harry having to dive to the ground to avoid falling rocks. Another small difference, too, is that Ron calls out to Harry first, when the book has Harry call for Ron first. Yeah, but the two make sure they're both okay. In the book, Ron tells Harry that Lockhart isn't, saying, This gets not, though. He got blasted by the wand. (laughs) The movie actually shows us the state of Lockhart as Ron tells Harry the memory charm backfired. Lockhart is playing with a rock and seems drunk and high after he loses his mind. This is an odd sort of place. Do you live here? (laughs) Like, I love Ron's like, no. Like, what the fuck, dude? Why would you even think that? Then Ron takes the rock from him and just clocks him over the head with it. Movie Ron is stone cold. Really is. In the book, all he does is kick Lockhart in the shins. Well, I mean, what the hell's that gonna do? Not make his memory loss worse. Mm, Touche. Ron probably shouldn't have attended Lockhart's magical first aid class. Probably not. Mm -hmm. In both, Ron asks what they should do now, and Harry tells him to wait there. He's going to go on to get Jenny. In the book, he starts to say, if I'm not back in an hour, 
But that shit gets awkward fast. Yeah. And Ron ends the silence by saying he'll try to shift some of the rock. In the movie, Harry just tells Ron to try and shift some of the rock. Yeah. Cut out the middleman there. Yep. <laughs> then in both, he makes his way past the snakeskin, following the tunnel until it dead ends. In the movie, that's at a large round door with seven snakes extending from the left side. The book just describes it as a solid wall with two entwined serpents carved on it, set with emeralds for their eyes. In both, Harry approaches and speaks Parseltongue again. In the movie, it causes an eighth snake to slither out and around the door as the other seven shift and unlock it. The door opens like a vault door, and Harry cautiously steps through, holding out his wand. In the book, the entwined snakes part, and the walls slide aside and out of sight. In both, Harry very cautiously steps through, and this is where the book and the movie sections end. Some definite omissions and streamlining, a few minor changes, but, I mean, overall, I think they did a great job bringing this chapter to the big screen. I agree. Ron's added lines were especially entertaining this section. Oh, for sure. So that's the end of our compare and contrast section. And since we didn't have any new actors for this part, we'll just move right into our Potter pondering, which is, can petrified people still feel things? Such as, what if Hermione is cold? Is being petrified anything like Petrificus Totalis? Because Harry was completely aware during that, just couldn't move. Obviously, the basilisk petrification is worse than the spell, since that can be easily reversed, but now I really wonder if any part of them is aware of what's going on around them. And how pissed are they at listening to all the dumbasses right? talk, too? Especially Hermione. <laughs> but we yeah. will put a post about this up on our Facebook page so you can find it and share your thoughts with us, please. <laughs> Which, that'll bring us to this week's Sorting Hat story from Marco Austin. He was sorted into Gryffindor. His wand is a vine wood with a dragon heartstring core, 14 and a quarter inches, and quite bendy flexibility. His Patronus is a black swan. How did I get into Harry Potter? I never knew about Harry Potter until I was introduced from the Lego games. No judging. I saw the movies on TV, but never liked them because I thought they were boring. I was not a fan of reading until I was in year three or four. I read so many children's books, but still, not a Harry Potter fan. I thought the books were boring because there were almost no pictures. No judging. I only read novels with pictures. But then one day I was checking YouTube and in my recommendation section there was a video about Voldemort and I got interested. I watched clips of Harry Potter and got more and more interested. So I decided that I am going to the school library to try and read Harry Potter to see if I would like it. I was a little nervous at first because there were so little pictures. <laughs> but when I read it, I loved it, and so I borrowed all the books of Harry Potter and read them all. I also watched all the movies. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Marco. Mm -hmm. And seriously, no judging, the Harry Potter Lego games are awesome. <laughs> right? Also, if you haven't already checked out the illustrated versions of the Harry Potter books, you really should. The artwork is amazing. Everybody loves a good picture, just saying. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, the wood, core, and length, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And this will bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, what is the translation of what Tom Riddle says in Parseltongue? to call the basilisk forward. 
the prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word, hashtag that's not his tongue. We'll get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, that's not how it happened in the book, that's not how it happened in the movie, or a pride sticker. Hashtag that's not his tongue, really? I've really got to stop letting you do the code words. Maybe you should try answering a text every now and then. Um, you know what? Hashtag that's not his tongue sounds fine. Another way you can get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you'd like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. You can also go to our website at justkeeprolling.com to check out our Just Keep Rolling and Harry Potter-related merchandise for sale. Ooh. We just created a new design that is on t-shirts, tank tops, mugs, and a framed canvas with Dumbledore's quote saying, Differences of habit and language are nothing at all if our aims are identical and our hearts are open. The words are all in different shades of gray, except for hearts, which is a rainbow gradient. All of the proceeds will be donated to the Trevor Project and the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. We also have a fundraising campaign for each shared on our Facebook page and our Twitter if you don't want to actually buy the merchandise, but still would like to contribute. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And join us next Friday on my birthday when we talk about Chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin, and the corresponding film scenes. It's your birthday? I had no idea. She hears that like every time we talk now. A little bit. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. rolling.